Welcome to the Your Brand, Your Story podcast. I'm Megan Ingram, founder of Ingram Digital Consulting, brand storyteller, data geek, and your host. In the debut season, we dive into 14 brand stories as told by industry leaders, company founders, entrepreneurs, and professional freelancers to uncover their origins, success paths, and key milestones. Listen as we discuss the state of digital marketing and other interesting and relevant business subjects like the future of work, diversity in the workplace, and freelancing fundamentals from our curated guest pool of creative, curious, socially conscious, and bold industry professionals with unique perspectives to inform and inspire future marketing leaders. Today we have Greg Kilstrom on the show, who is an author, entrepreneur, and remote work advocate, launching a new book this year, and also a DC local. Welcome, Greg. Hi, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you as well. To kick it off, we're going to dive right into work from home life. It's been about a year into COVID now. I'm actually the rare before COVID work from homer, but what have been the biggest pros and cons for you in this new work from home reality we're all living in? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it was, it's interesting that we started career gig in the, you know, at the, at the early part of the, of the pandemic. And so for, for my company right now, um, our employees and, and contractors and everything, we, we've been working remotely ever since the company started. So we had, we had no transition um, away from going into an office or anything like that. Plus we're a distributed team yeah. and everything like that. So from that standpoint, you know, I'm, I've been, um, it sounds like much like yourself, I've worked from home quite a bit over my career. I, you know, for a, for a while when I owned the marketing agency, I had, we had an office and everybody came in and, and stuff like that. But, um, it's one of those things where I think as a workforce in general, I think that there's some people that really um, embraced it and, and are very productive when they do that. And I think there's other people, um, some some people I know very well that really struggled with it. And yeah. it's just, I think a lot of it has to do with pers- like individual personality. I think some of it has to do with the company culture and, and it's, you know, kind of, it kind of takes both to be, to, to do it well. Yeah. And I actually say as someone who worked from home before, it t- for me, it was actually tougher just being at home all day. Like I used to go places and do things yeah. and, you know, be somewhere like in a coffee shop or some public place and then physically having to be like at home and not being able to change like the vibe or this or, you know, just the overall work uh, work spot environment has been, you know, even its own challenge. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I would definitely um, when working from I would I would spend time. I would just get out to yeah, yeah to a coffee to, like, shop or something just to like yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, although you know I mean it's interesting how much more productive I've been and uh, you know other I've heard others say this as well with just not having to drive to meetings yeah. and all of that stuff you know I, I can't even imagine how much time I spent in the car some months you know just like even with local meetings and it's so it's you know it's it's interesting but it but it does it does force you to, at least what I did, I, I tried to create habits that got me out and, you know, I got a stand-up desk, for instance, so I wasn't at least sitting yeah, in one, thing. you know, because I would find myself like, when's the last time I saw the sunshine or when's the last yeah. time I got up 
or anything like that. So um, yeah, tried to tried to force some things to to break it up a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I did similar things. I actually have a stand up desk myself, and it's been it's been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right now I'm sitting, but it's like it's nice to have the options. It's yeah. Like, which is another thing it's to like change up your scenarios often. So like, even you know, like in the spring and summer now I can't do that in the winter, but you know, like going to our, like going to our rooftop and like just trying to change the vibe as much as I can to keep the, I don't know. I just, I like write better work better in general when I'm doing those kinds of things. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. What do you think work from anywhere looks like in 2021 with, you know, now obviously the vaccine being distributed um, and hopefully we start to see a slow shift um, as the year progresses? Yeah, I mean, I think the what what companies realize. So we we've been on this trajectory to have a more distributed workforce and do more remote work and just be flexible. Like we've been on this trajectory for years, but um you know, obviously there's many terrible things that have come out of, out of COVID and, and certainly don't want to discount that. But one of the positives is that it accelerated um, a, a lot of these things that, again, we're already in the works. And, you know, there, there are a lot of positives when we look at remote work and, and greater flexibility that, that I think, you know, deserve to be underscored. So, I mean, one of the things when it comes to looking at diversity in the workplace, there is a lot, it makes it a lot easier for people, whether they're, you know, they have kids that they need to take care of and, and have, you know, specific hours they need to do things or a spouse or partner they need to take care of or people that can't afford rent in downtown New York or San Francisco um, can get jobs at very, you know, at great companies doing, doing good work. So, you know, there, there's so many benefits to this, but like I was saying earlier, it takes companies embracing um, the kind of culture that that allows um, you know distributed work and work from anywhere and, and everything like that. It takes technology that maybe some have clumsily adopted just because they thought it was a temporary thing. You know, they they really do need to to embrace. I see the future is it. We're not going to go back to how we were. Like I think yeah. you know companies that have, are saving money on on their real estate lease, you know, their leases, if nothing else aren't going to, you know, immediately go back to that. But I, I just don't think we're going back to the way that it was. I think there will be a, a large shift back into, you know, com people going back into the workplace. I think that's, you know, in some industries, it's a necessity In others. It just, it makes sense for at least some portion of those working remotely. But I, I think there's going to be a large percentage of not only companies that are okay with it, but also employees that, decide, you know what, I don't really want to sit in my car for an hour every morning and afternoon. I'm going to find a job that allows me to work for remotely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it both sides are, are going to kind of come to that conclusion. I've also heard a lot of the mixed theory where it's I, w I want to be able to work from home, but I want one or two days to go into the office. So a job that's at least accommodating to the fact that, hey, you know, I'll come in, you know, like once or twice, but I want to be able to work from home when I can. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things where, you know, pre pandemic it, companies investing in the infrastructure, like even the technology and, and security infrastructure alone to do that. I don't think it was worth their while to do all that, but now that they've done that, they've made the investments that, you know, they could stop some services or whatever, but like now that they've made the investments, it becomes a lot easier for companies to allow that as well versus, uh, you know, we're going to allow people to work one day from home, but, now we have to set up all this infrastructure that 
is going to cost a lot of money. Well, yeah, if it's already there, then why not do that? The employees are happier. In many, many cases, they're more productive when they work from home yeah. as well. And so, you know, and again, if, if nothing else, like the numbers will speak for themselves. Yeah, no, that's so true. So we're going to pivot a little. Brand storytelling is a central theme, obviously, for Ingram Digital Consulting and me personally. Talk about your book and what creating a cohesive brand experience means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the the book, um, it's called The Center of Experience. And um, what I did, so I've, 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 wrote, I've written another series of books and, and I have a new one coming out in what I call the Agile series and just kind of looking at different aspects of business and um, applying Agile principles to them. Um, I took a little bit of a, of a detour with this, this book. Just some of it was professional curiosity. Some of it was just, you know, there was a lot of things going on that yeah. I wanted to, to talk about. And so the idea behind it is um, there's a lot of, I think in the marketing world and, and branding world, there's been a lot of focus on customer experience of late and for good reason. Um, you know, I, coming from a marketing agency background myself, I found myself frustrated that I was tasked with marketing and branding products and services that I had no control over the delivery of or the quality of. And therefore, you know, you can make something sound or look or, or you know, or feel as, as good as, um, you know, as good as you can. But if the actual delivery of that is not great, then, you know, customers are going to find out and they're not going to buy again or, yeah. or refer others. So that, that piece drew me to customer experience. But what I found the, the deeper I dove into customer experience if the person or people delivering, designing, um, deploying those products or services aren't happy, they're not well taken care of, not well compensated, just not engaged, then those products and services have no chance of being truly successful in the long run either. Um, you can maybe get a, you know, a, something that's, that's good for a little while, but just doesn't have that staying power. And, you know, so the brands that we know of that are great at customer experience are also the ones that take employee experience um, very seriously and, and, and are intentional about it. So the idea the, the, of, of what I, I use the term brand experience to really be customer experience plus employee experience mm -hmm. is that overall brand experience that is literally every touch point that a brand has with whether it's external or internal audiences. Yeah. No, total, totally agree. What is the biggest takeaway you want brand and agency leaders to know about customer and employee experience? Yeah, I think it's one thing is that it's it's everybody's job. Yeah. Um, it's not a um, and and the, you know there's there's a positive side to that for for everyone in the organization is you're not alone. Like there isn't you know there's there's a lot of chief experience officers and customer experience yeah. teams popping up and everything like that, but. They can only be so successful. And having worked with several in, in, you know, whether it's small organizations or very large, you know, Fortune 100 organizations, um, they can they only have so much control over the entire customer experience because that's huge. That's yeah. that's every touch point. You know, an, an HR person only has so much control over the employee experience, and so therefore, it really becomes everyone's job and responsibility to make sure that their piece of it. Um, is cohesive. And so I think for marketers, it's, it's trying to understand and to, you know, we obviously, you know, as a, as a marketer, we want the customer to buy, but if there's not authenticity and if we're over promising and under delivering, 
if we're not realistic about that that experience you yeah. know post sale you know you're going to get a bunch of people you're going to get a bunch of first time buyers because you know if you're an amazing marketing agency you'll catch people's eyes and <laughs> and you know get get a, you know first time customers but it's so much easier to get repeat you know to get yeah. repeat from a happy customer so you know th- that mindset of it's got to it's got to feel great um, to buy a product or service, not just sound good on, or look good from the outside. Yeah. Which is why I think retention is so important, like over sometimes even over acquisition, it's, yeah. you know, can you yeah. have long-term customer relationships? That's like you're saying that are authentic and that you continue to build on because those are actually your most valuable partnerships that you're going to have in your business. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, retention and, um, and things like that are, a better metric of how you're, you know, the delivery of, of things versus yeah. Sales. I mean, again, it's, it, it it's, you know, you, you can have, you can have very good short-term success and, and it doesn't translate in the yeah. long run. No, totally agree. You're also an entrepreneur and the founder of career gig. Tell us more about the company and what your biggest lessons and learnings are from building the brand. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, really excited about, uh, you know, we, we launched, um, in April of, of 2020. Okay. So, you know, kind of just uh, some people thought I was crazy, um, co-founding a company in, in the midst of a global pandemic. But, <laughs> I get you know, that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, um, it's, I mean, it turns out, you know, it, we did it intentionally and, and there was, there was a good reason for it because I, I think we, we solved some challenges, um, in unique ways and, and some challenges that really need to be, be solved. And so I, you know, the, the lessons learned, so this is my, um, you know, this is my first time starting a company. It's not my first time being an entrepreneur, but it's my first time starting a company that isn't, um, consulting. So it's my, you know, in agency speak, I'm, I'm client side now, right? Yeah. So <laughs> my first time being client side. So, you know, it's, it's a, that's a whole, that's a topic of another podcast probably. Yeah, but, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I think what we did, um, which I'm, I'm proud of is we focused on, you know, s- solving some, some big challenges. So, you know, just very briefly, um, you know, there are marketplaces that connect freelancers with companies already. And yeah. you know, they're, they're funny focused on different areas. What we wanted to focus on really was the freelancer and their life and what, what it takes to actually be successful. So yes, you need to find work and, and gigs and stuff like that. And, and that's something that we, we offer, but all of the other things having been, you know, I've been everything from intern to employee to entrepreneur to you know, you name it over my career to freelancer, you know, at, at, at several points in my life. And so having seen a lot of people get full-time jobs um, because they provide stability, they provide yeah. benefits like health insurance, life insurance, like all of those types of disability. Um, and they provide, you know, just that overall, just that long-term stability, except when we keep having these financial crises, uh, you know, so I've, I've been through three in my career, you know, 2001, um, 2009, and now with, with COVID, um, every time one of these financial crises happens, um, the long-term employment outlook becomes less and less um, stable. Um, I think more and more people get disenchanted with this, um, you know, with this idea that kind of this romantic notion of, you work somewhere 20 years, get a gold watch and retire and you have a pension. Like, yeah. 
that never existed in my career. So like, I, I, I know there's some kinds of positions where you can still get that, but it's few and far between. And, and more often, you know, average tenure is less than two years in just about any position. Yeah. And, you know, people are, are hopping, they're going from um, freelance to full-time employment. They're kind of going back. But what we wanted to do with career gig was let's give stability in the form of, of benefits like insurance and retirement and yeah. those things. Let's give peer-to-peer mentoring and, you know, upskilling, reskilling opportunities and give that stability back to, uh, you know, the freelance lifestyle, which, which offers a lot of positives in and of itself. Um, if we shore up those gaps, then it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Companies are moving to a more of a um, hiring more contingent and 1099 workers as well. And for lots of, you know, whether it's financial or just yeah. other, other logistical reasons. So, you know, for us to solve for that, it, it makes us unique in the market. Yeah. And I mean, I can't tell you how often I hear, you know, community, loneliness, and insurance being really the top reasons that stop people from some, even me, someone who's dabbling in freelance to going 100% full-time yeah, and being yeah. like real roadblocks to whether they're going to make that kind of jump or not. Yeah. yeah. So to- yeah, totally, totally agree. What are common pitfalls when building a brand and creating a cohesive strategy that companies often fall into? Yeah. I mean, I think the um, the danger, uh, one, one danger is to just think too internally. And, you know, I, I just, it's again, having being client side now, it's like, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, I spent most of my career consulting, um, whether it was as a freelancer or an agency owner or, or things like that. And, you know, it's interesting that agencies have a really good perspective on things and yet they only get this deep in a, you know, in a problem, you know, the, 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 the brands themselves have to, they have to do not only that piece, but they have to go a million miles deep and yeah. everything. The, the downside to having to go so deep and get so tactical and, and things like that is that a lot of organizations, they think that the world um, has any notion um, or even cares about how that organization is structured. <laughs> and I think a very simple example of this, um, not exactly branding, but I built a lot of websites with the, with the agency and time and time again, we would see clients that basically organize their website structure according to departments. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing that, that I would always say is just like, no one cares that you have this department and that department, they want to solve a problem. And so I think, you know, the, the challenge with building a, a cohesive brand is you've got to, it sounds like, it sounds so basic and yet it's, it's missed so often. You've got to think from what, what is the challenge that I solve for a customer and, and how do I deliver on that? And, and what's my promise to them? And when you start getting, when your brand promise or, you know, all of that language is, three paragraphs deep because, well, what about this audience or what about this problem or what about this person in this department that's going to get yeah. you know, upset if we don't mention that, you know, like when you start compromising a, a very clear mission, um, customers can tell, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. think of the successful brands out there. I mean, you know, look at, I mean, Apple is, you know, they're, they're a, an oft used example, but I'll use it again anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like who is Apple's target audience? You know, I, how many times have, have your clients said, well, our target audience is kind of everyone, right? Because anyone could buy our product. Well, yeah, everyone and anyone could buy an Apple product. But when you really look at their marketing and their messaging and, and everything like that, it's pretty focused on a particular 
feeling and lifestyle and, yeah. and aspirational quality, even though literally anyone can buy one as long as they can afford it. And I think that's what brands need to think of is, yes, you can appeal to a wide swath of, of people and audiences, but if no one knows what you stand for, nobody, nobody's, no one is going to want to buy from you, let alone you yeah. know, your, your actual target. Actually, one of the more interesting uh, research projects I ever did was where we studied every mission statement for a company and, and took that in and looked at their social media messaging and see, did the two align, right? Yeah. Did what you say in your mission, is that what you're telling people day in and day out? And you feel even for the top, what we call the top 50 companies in America, how often that's not the case, that what they yeah. say they stand for is not actually what they're talking about day in and day out. I think that's a company you yeah. mentioned, Apple, Nike's another one that does a really good job of that. You know, they keep it very simple to inspire athletes. And when you read their message, it's, it's apparent that that's what they're doing in every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we spent, we were pretty intentional about that process, even, even with career gig and we're, you know, we're young as, as a company, but our mission is to accelerate and optimize human potential. Yeah. And we just kept it at that. It wasn't connecting freelancers and companies and this and that and SaaS platform or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, if we're not accelerating and optimizing human potential, we look at everything with that lens. If it doesn't fit that, you know what? It's, it's, you know, we, it's, it's not a priority. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. I totally agree. What keeps you inspired about branding strategy and entrepreneurship overall? Yeah. I, I like solving problems and I like solving new problems. And so I think as a, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you know, I, I ran my marketing agency for 14 years and, and sold it about three years ago. Um, it was what what was interesting about that was um, even though you know I'd been doing it it's the longest I've pretty much done anything I guess in my <laughs> in my career but you know we were founded in 2003 so we saw the rise of social media marketing I mean you know social media marketing wasn't really a thing when we started and yet you know we had the opportunity to work with some pretty big brands doing some so doing some things that they'd only they'd done for the first time basically with them we saw the rise of personalization and AI and all of that stuff, programmatic advertising, like all of that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think I like to learn new things. I like to apply various like diverse concepts and, and all those kinds of things. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of things that you have to do that you don't want to do. I mean, you know, b before I started uh, the, the agency back in the day, I thought I was going to get to do only what I love doing all day long. It's a classic like um, entrepreneur's <laughs> fallacy is like, um, you know, I ended up having to learn about finance and operations and yeah. utilization rates and, and all those things. And I'm a, I'm a designer, I'm not a CFO, but, but learning about that stuff gave me a much better appreciation for the work that needed to get done. And so, you know, that's, I think um, for me, it's about always learning and and pushing and trying to do something different. And and for me now with Career Gig, it's growing a product company. It's not the first time I've been involved with a product company, but it's the first time I've I've started one and, and been an executive at one. And so um, that's that's a new challenge in and of itself. It, raising investments, like all those things, and you know we're doing some pretty. Um, you know, I'd say cutting edge stuff and AI machine learning, like stuff like that. And so, you know, there's constant learning there as well. So I yeah. think it's just, it's just, you got to be hungry for, to learn more and, and always be, not be afraid, I guess, not be afraid to solve challenges that you may not be immediately equipped to solve. But I just, 
I try to approach things. I surround myself with people that are smarter than me. Yeah. I have a good network of, of people even outside of that. And just, you know what, there is no problem that is insurmountable and, um, you know, take it from there. Every day is a challenge, yeah. but it's, you know, you know, it's, we, 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 we get through and we learn more and, and do better. Yeah. That's actually one of my, one of the reasons I love agency is like kind of like the challenge approach where it's, you're always thinking about or trying to solve a new solution or problem. And it always changes. No day is the same. And, you know, yeah. there's a, there's definitely, it, it can be, you know, hard, days are hard sometimes, but it's also really refreshing and, you know, it makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. In 2018, you were named one of DC's top trendsetters. Let's talk about the future of marketing. What are some trends people should be on the lookout for in 2021? Yeah. I mean, I think just overall, um, it's, it's going to be important for really anybody, but, you know, marketers to understand how they're going to need to rely on increased automation and, and tools. And so to, I think just in general, to embrace the idea that machines are our friends, not our foes. (laughs) And so in other words, um, there are so, there are so many, Machines will help us be more strategic and um, and get to do actually the things that um, some people enjoy getting in the weeds and, and doing the tactics. And, and I certainly, I have moments where I, it's actually refreshing to work with spreadsheets for some, it's weird, <laughs> but like, I have these like, anyway. <laughs> As a data geek, I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, sometimes it's satisfying to, the, I don't know, the, maybe the confines of, of the, the cells in a spreadsheet are, are reassuring some days, but and other <laughs> yeah, times right. I'm just like, I, I don't want to deal with that. I want to think like huge, big picture or whatever, but yeah. to, to me that it's the, it's the switching back and forth that, that helps. But I think, you know, as, as, as far as trends go, I think it's um, trying to find better and better ways to do a lot of things more quickly, more easily, more repeatable. And, um, so that you can focus on being more creative and strategic. And, um, if, and if marketers don't do that, they're, they are going to find themselves replaced by applications that yeah. do their job. Um, and that, again, that's not a bad thing. Um, cause I, it's, you know, with, with new creations like that, there's going to be new jobs created. I, again, I don't believe that robots are taking our jobs. I believe that they're creating new ones and there's new opportunity, but everybody needs a mindset of, you know what? Um, if you solely focus on Twitter marketing, yeah, it's going to be tough to, to have that as a job in 10 years. And, you know, so like it, 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 it requires this idea of continual like learning and improvement. And yeah. again, that, that applies to anybody even beyond marketing, but I, I think it's really important. No, and I can totally echo that even with data, which would be a place where you would think, you know, there's obviously a lot of room for automation, but it, in my opinion, it allows more time for like the analysis, the insight, yeah. because that's really where the value is. It's not what is the data or what is the observation is like, so what, what does that mean? And that's really yeah. where the value is in any sort of, uh, you know, data analytics, data-driven type marketing. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. When it comes to trend setting, where have you gotten it right and where have you gotten it wrong? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, th- I think that, Back in the day with social media marketing, uh, you know, this was several over a decade now. But I, I do think that we. So my agency was was called uh, Carousel Thirty, 
Um, I think we got a lot of things right early on. Now we, I guess I'll, I'll finish the story and I can tell you it, it was kind of an arc, but we, we embraced it. We embraced it as something that, um, you know, companies, clients didn't know what in the world to do with it. Um, at first now it's, you know, a social media manager or whatever is ubiquitous and, and, you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, back in the day, we saw an opportunity, we saw a way to not only make money, but to, you know, embrace this, this growing, um, this growing trend. And, we're able to do some some pretty interesting work with some some large organizations. I think where we um, and and uh, our business model. I mean, even just from a from a business standpoint. I mean, you know, we're able to create um, you know recurring revenue through retainers and and all that kind of stuff. It transformed my company really to to have a retainer revenue model and and, and stuff like that. Now, as things progressed, I don't think we saw. Um, w- I, I don't think we saw the adoption of that uh, within clients and companies um, as quickly as we should have. So, you know, our team was getting replaced by internal hires. Mm-hmm. And so I think where, for me, it's, it's not just about social media. It's about, it's about the, the macro trend of the, the agency and client relationship. So I believe the the role of the agency is to bring new ideas, um, new not only new strategies but new tactics, introduce them to a client, and then assume that those are going to be co-opted by the company themselves. And the agency then needs to bring new ideas and new opportunities. And it's this, it it's unfortunate because wouldn't it be nice if you could just do the same thing for twenty years and and just you know collect hold your hands out and collect the cash or whatever? But what it really the, the opportunity is the agencies get to do the cool new stuff and always be on the lookout, like be, be those, um, um, those people that are bringing those, those great new ideas and, and processes and, and tactics and everything to a client, but it has to happen continually or else they're, you know, they're, they're going to lose that client through no fault of their own. They're going to do such a good job proving that something is valuable to a client that the client's going to hire it internally. And then, the agency is going to be out of a job versus if the relationship is, yeah, every two years, basically, we're going to have something new that we feed into our clients. And that's the kind of relationship we have. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's, um, that's how I try to approach things. That's how I was approaching things towards the end of the agency yeah. was just that mindset. Um, and I, you know, I, th- I think it's, it served us well. So we learned from, we learned from taking it a little too easy with the social media stuff and quickly like pivoted to, um, to change that approach. Okay, great. What's next for you this year outside of the book, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think just, um, you know, growing career gig and it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's definitely, a um, an undertaking to grow something, you know, we have big plans and, you know, very excited about it. I, I, I think, um, my plan with with the book and and things like that. Eventually, there will be in person speaking events and and stuff like that. I mean, that was that was part of um, you know part of that that whole part of my personal brand was writing and speaking and and everything. I have a plan to uh, essentially release one book a year until I don't. But I, I have no plans <laughs> to stop. So you know, I'll start working on a on another book in a, in about a month or so. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, just really focusing on career gig, building it into something really great and yeah. And take it from there. Great. That's exciting. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Well, really appreciate you coming on the show today. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Brand, Your Story podcast. Find us on social at The Data Outlier and our brand handle at Ingram Digital. To learn more about the podcast episode, go to www.yourbrandyourstorypodcast.com and continue the conversation or use the hashtag yourbrandyourstory. Your Story.